Yo, Wagwan, Wagwan, it's your boy, Holiday Dan. Um, we are still on holiday. Uh, we will be back next week. Ooh, it's going to be a lit show next week. Ooh, the return of Two Broke Twimbos to live programming. But we will not leave you in the lurch because this week we have something uh, you haven't heard before. This is exclusive. Uh, exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. So, uh, yeah, no. Uh, see, what had happened was uh, we got some communication from a podcast in Kenya called Legally Clueless. Very interesting podcast. You should go check it out. And they were visiting Zimbabwe and uh, they wanted to speak to the biggest podcast in Zimbabwe. And we're like, for sure. So they spoke to us. Uh, basically, they did like an overview of what Zim is like. And you can see a snippet of the conversation that we had in that uh, new YouTube episode. You can find it on Legally Clueless uh, on YouTube or if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll check it out. But we thought that we could share with you the entire raw audio from that particular conversation, the interview that we had. Uh, shout out to Adele. Shout out to Roy for sitting down with us. Such dope people, man. It was a great experience. And you know what we did? We literally just mic'd up, sat down outside and had a conversation. And it was it was dope. All right. So you're going to enjoy uh, the entirety of that conversation. Adele, of course, was not mic'd up. She was just asking us questions. So if you listen carefully, you'll hear the questions that she was asking. And uh, we're just sharing the responses with you so you can enjoy. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, don't forget to continue to support your favorite podcast. If you do enjoy this, please also go check out the Legally Clueless podcast. But stick here. Stay here with us. Uh, and, yeah, we will be back next week with uh, the podcast. As per usual, we're getting ready to give you some dope content for 2022. Uh, but for now, continue to support us. TwoBrokeTumbles.com forward slash donate. Uh, you can become a patron in time. Just subscribe to the Patreon. Imagine starting 2022 right. Uh, or if you want to send off a once-off donation, maybe it's your annual donation. Who knows? Hit us up as well. TwoBrokeTwimbos.com forward slash donate. In the meantime, uh, enjoy. Here is Two Broke Twimbos, myself and Phil, as we were interviewed by Adele of the Legally Clueless podcast from Kenya. Enjoy. And we'll catch you next week in our first proper live episode of the year. Peace and love. We broke, we broke, we broke. Hi, my name is Adele Onyango. I'm a Kenyan woman who lives in Nairobi, Kenya, which is our capital city. And I am also the host and founder of a podcast called Legally Clueless. And the podcast amplifies stories by Africans, everyday stories of their lived experiences. And the reason we do this is to add as many African voices and stories to the global African narrative. It's quite irritating <laughs> when globally people think that there's one way to be an African. And I think listening to our stories also helps us as Africans learn more about each other. My background, how I got into podcasting, my background is in radio. I was a radio presenter on two radio stations here in Kenya for 10 years until 2019 when I up and quit <laughs> and decided to jump into the wonderful world of podcasting. So in November, I came to Zimbabwe. It was my first time ever in the country. And one word to describe my stay there, magical. I feel such a connection with the country, with the people. It's almost like I feel spiritually tethered there. I don't know if that makes sense. But first, everybody was just so warm and, and it felt so much like home. I think there are tons of similarities between Zimbabwe and Kenya that go even beyond our colonial past, right? And then it's just so beautiful, you know, not only Harare, but I was fortunate enough to go to Victoria Falls and ah, uh, 
it was just mind-blowing. I remember feeling like I was ready to live there. In fact, I'm going to be back in Zimbabwe later this year. I'm actively saving up for that. And one of the reasons I came to Zimbabwe was for the International Conference on African Cultures. And I think it was pretty apt for it to be in Zimbabwe because after my stay there, I just really respect how the different African cultures are still very rich still undiluted and still very respected. So Zim is special, very, very special to me. Among the people that I met who were absolutely amazing are the hosts of Two Broke Twimbos, Phil and Dan, who are just amazing. First, it was, it's always so great to connect with other podcasters from the continent. Another thing that made this so awesome is Dan and Phil are hilarious. <laughs> I do not think I've laughed that much in such a short time frame. I also love that that humor comes out in Two Brook Twimbos. From the intro, there's bound to be something that will just have you laughing and help you forget a bit about whatever is stressing you in that moment, you know? And then also how they weave in very important issues that affect you and I on a daily basis. And they do this so easily, especially when it comes to mental health and wellness, which is something that on a personal note and on the podcast is very important to me. So hearing two men discuss that is really important. When you break down issues around mental health and mental wellness, it's so important for African men to be part of that conversation and to have a space where they can be frank about different challenges they go through as far as mental wellness is concerned. I love that when they have these issues, they will bring in different experts, you know, so that you and I get to enjoy the humor, enjoy connecting with their lived realities, but also learn as well. So I think Phil and Dan are doing a fantastic job and it was such an honor to to meet them. And hopefully when I'm back in Zimbabwe, we'll meet up again. So in a nutshell, as I said earlier, Zimbabwe is, is so special. And my trip there, first trip, because it's definitely not the last one, was just absolutely magical. We are natural. <laughs> What's up? I'm Danny, that guy. Oh, I'm Phil Chad, and we are from Zimbabwe. And we are the podcast Two Broke Twimbos. One, two. Are we supposed to be natural? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Breathe. Yeah. yeah, that was good. That was good, that was, that was good right? That was, that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I just want to know, what's Twimbos? Um, Twimbos was a term coined by Tawanda Nyagawa. Back in... A.K.A. Tar 3000. Back in 2009, in the early days of Twitter, which is Zimbabweans on Twitter. Zimbos on Twitter, mm. Twimbos. Okay. So some today mistakenly use the phrase... Twi what, what do they call it? Zwitter. No, that's disgusting. It's honestly... The, that's, it's, that's an it's, abomination. It's actually disrespectful to the pioneers of mm. Twitter in yeah. Zimbabwe. Our fallen heroes did not tweet... For people to say Zwitter. What is that? Come on. Twimbos. Zimbos on Twitter. Yeah. Clean, simple. Get it right. And, okay, so when, when did the two of you meet? It was a warm summer evening. The birds were singing. Yeah. A light rain fell on my face as I listened to Celine Dion. There was a twinkle in his eye. He turned to me. I said, wow, those legs. 
And then I asked him, what's the Wi-Fi password? We started a podcast. <laughs> okay, just be serious. Okay. <clears throat> okay, yeah, sorry. Dude, I'm Kenyans sorry. are watching us right now. This is what Kenyans think of us right now. <laughs> Hello, <Okay>. Kenya. <laughs> um, honestly, we've, we've known each other from before. We've known each because I mean, yeah. family friends. Yeah, fa- fa- family yeah. friends, the church. So we'd always known of each other. Um, and we'd always meet up and we always need to crack the same type of jokes. And then Twitter came out, I think it was 2008, 2009. And at the same time, Econet was launching their 3G network. So as a trial run, it was like 25 bucks and you'd get unlimited internet for the whole month. Sometimes you don't even have to pay and you still have unlimited internet. So we found ourselves in dead, boring jobs and all we do all day was just tweets and then we just naturally coalesced. So there was, there was a small group of us. There was like Dan, myself, um, there was Ten Diamond who um, was a rapper. There was a guy called Langa who's now doing amazing things at a $2 billion company, which we will not name because they haven't paid us. Um, there was well, Tuanda Nyagawa. paid them. Well, yeah, all of us. Like, no, we all eaten. We all eaten. If they come knocking, we all eating. Yeah, so there was a small group of us, and then we used to have a thing called Comedy Thursdays, and we, we just, like, literally every Thursday, we'd wake up and just crack jokes the whole day. And then there was another thing on the weekends with the Americans who we started following called Rambling-ish Weekend, but not so PG, and we just roast each other all weekend. And we just started building a community of trash talkers, and then that's how we started. It, it was wild because it was still the early days of Twitter, so not a lot of people on Twitter, and... Even when people tried it, they're like, people, lots of people opened their Twitter accounts in like 2008, 2009, because they saw all the news headlines. Ah, oh, Celebrity A says something on Twitter. Ah, oh, Twitter must be happening. Then they open it and it's just like, they made the mistake of probably following, I don't know, Britney Spears or something. Who, who was on Twitter back then? No, I remember like, Lady Gaga was the big name. Lady Gaga yeah. and Katy Perry were the big so names. If you follow those people, Twitter's boring because there's no pictures, there's no story. It's just there. Yeah. Uh, so... At some point, there was a small group, and I, I swear there must have been no more than 500 to 1,000 people in the whole country on Twitter. Mm. And then it was similar stories in different parts of the world. So there were these little pockets of people that were very active on Twitter, mm. telling jokes, telling stories, sharing stories. Mm. And just this, literally two nights ago, I got a message from one of our American friends. Never met him. He's Mexican in... Oh, he misses me too. Yeah. Was oh. like, I think it was Thanksgiving. That's what oh, yeah, so he was yeah, like, I'm thankful for my, my African, African bread. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> he sent us the same message though. <laughs> Eddie. See you, Eddie. <laughs> so these are people we've never met, but because it was these mm-hmm. small communities on Twitter, mm-hmm. we all sort of just like shared stories of yeah. what's happening in America, what's happening in Zim, what's happening in South Africa and Australia. There's a group of Australian girls yeah, they were, they were a problem. They were a problem. Oh, yeah, shout out to even our Kenyan brother, Terry Wanderi from Kenya. Terry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it was, it was this small community that... Mm. It was weird because it was a small community that sort of felt like we had like, a relationship with each other, even though we didn't really. And because we knew each other already, so there was already that connection. Mm. Anyway, um, we did a few things on Twitter, a few things online. Um, some, Phil has mentioned some of them. But eventually, at some point... Um, we started or we decided that wouldn't a podcast be a great idea mm. and it was something we spoke about for years before we actually did it but it was we were sort of thinking in that direction phil initially was the one who was pushing for it and i was like eh, it sounds like a lot of work i don't know but eventually <laughs> we did it um do you remember the first episode that we were going to the first episode we were just like crafting what the podcast would be about um since there was many of you how do you streamline all of those ideas into like 
So, like, when I initially had the idea, I'd been listening to podcasts since 2005. Um, I remember I got a Nokia N95, and it came preloaded with a podcast app. And, like, the first podcast I ever listened to was This Week in Tech, because it was the featured podcast. I was like, wait, this is actually a really dope concept. So I started listening to more and more podcasts. But it only really became, like, real to me as something that I wanted to do when I started listening to the Combat Jack show. Because he would have these two, three-hour-long conversations with, like, the, the founders of hip-hop or, like, um, established rappers and stuff. And I, and I had been blogging at the time, and I, I felt very limited in the medium of, of writing because even then, like, whenever I was doing a written interview, it was I'd send an email with a list of questions, and then the, the publicist would send back the answers to those questions. So it was very interactive. And I was getting incredibly frustrated with that. And then I started switching to doing IM interviews. And this was before like WhatsApp really took off. So like, I was like, okay, give me your Gmail. And then I sit out a Gmail and then I start chatting to Manifest like, how is your new album going? And then Manifest would respond. Sometimes it would take a week for that interview to be done because they'd pop in and pop out. Um, and then from that, I was like, okay guys, we need to start um, the podcast. And also because a lot of artists would hit me up and be like, Phil, we love what you're doing with the African Hip Hop blog. Why can't you do something like that for non-hip-hop artists? Um, and we were in a group, um, there were three of us, and I pitched the idea, and the third person was like, nah, this isn't really gonna work. Uh, but Dan was, as he just mentioned, he was kind of lukewarm on it, but it was also perfect because Dan was on radio, and he was able to, to get us access to a radio studio. So even like in the early days, People didn't know that they were coming for an interview on a podcast. They thought they were coming to be interviewed on radio. So in their mind, like, I'm going to the radio station. I'm sitting down for the interview. Cool. And a week or two weeks later, we'd send them a link. I'm like, oh, I thought this was going on air. Like, a lot of them <laughs> even thought it was live. The, the, the other thing, what Phil is saying as well is, so the radio station I was on at the time, commercial radio, everything was 30 seconds, 45 seconds, three minutes. So, I mean, we don't really have a lot of documented stories in Zim. And I think it's a problem probably for a lot of other African countries as well. But in terms of where did it start? How did, what did you do next? You know, in America and Europe, oh, they have features and documentaries and three-hour Netflix specials and 12-episode limited runs. And, and here we just don't. The only thing we have is a three-minute radio interview you have when you're releasing your new single. So I remember at the time when he mentioned it, I loved the idea that, yo, like we could really speak to these and really talk to them. But I didn't think they would be interested. And what Phil is saying actually is that was kind of the cheat code. Like a lot of them thought, like we tell them, hey, this is for Two Broke Twimbos. And they're like, oh, nice. What, what time does it air? We're like, it airs any time you wanted to. We, we'll let you know <laughs> soon. Please take a seat. <laughs> and the good, we asked also, so we had to ask for permission from the radio station to use the studios. Mm. So they said, you can use it after, like if, if it's not being used by the radio personalities and if it's like after hours and so on. Um, but I think that was also because in their head, it was like, oh, these little kids are trying to do something. So it, it, everything sort of worked great. It was difficult to do, I won't lie, because we, we had to like, um, manage our times and mm. make sure that everything is is um, connected at the right time, right? Understatement much? Yeah, it was, so it was a lot. To, to explain how difficult it was, so I had the idea and then even till to today, I always build the plane while flying it. So I had the idea. Um, I remember I came up, I think I'd come up for, it was like Shoko Festival, right? And then we had figured out a test website and we tested the, the, the link. We recorded like a two-minute clip and then we got approved for Apple. So we're like, okay, first step done. And then 
that put the battery in my back. I went back home. I had this vision as I was traveling of like adapting. Do you remember the Beano comics? Do you ever read the Beano? So I used to be a big Beano fan, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna take the Beano logo, repurpose it, make it the old Two Broke Twimbles logo. She has no idea what the Beano comics are. She's like, yeah, keep talking. <laughs> she does, okay? She knows about Dennis and Asher. Um, so um, I spoke to my, my graphic designer, and shout out to him. He's been working with me for what? As long as, longer than the podcast, actually. Like six, seven, eight years. He was another one of early Twitter, by the way. Yeah, shout, shout out to, to, to Tinder Genia. Um, but yeah. So I had the idea, I did the logo, um, I took two days off work, I designed the website. I don't, think, I don't even think I communicated with that. That's how bad my communication was. I think like when I was, was. done designing. <laughs> was. <laughs> Not in front of public. <laughs> so um, I, had, I, I designed the website and I just sent down the link like, yo, I've designed the website, this is what it's gonna look like. And then that was like, this nonsense of, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then I had this idea, okay, we need to start in March. But at the time, I lived in a totally different city. So every time I traveled to Harare, I'd either come with my car, and I think at the time the car was down, so I used to catch buses. And I had a job, so I could only come on the weekends. And Dan lined up like three interviews. For the first three interviews that were actually done was just Dan. But it was two broke twimbles. So that was called Joshua Ngube, which you had to do twice. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we had forgotten to press record. <laughs> And the thing is, like, Carl, Carl made sure people knew. Because he's like, oh, Dan, thanks for asking me that question again. So and Carl, that's Carl's a comedian. So at the time, he was really, like, making a big name for himself. He was, like, getting invited to, like, festivals or whatever. Like, oh, great. We get, and he was also a friend, right? So we were like, hey, can you come? And he knew it was a podcast. So the thing is, we went through the whole interview, like, an hour and a half or something. I was like, ah, oh, thanks, man. All right. Oh. <laughs> Where are the files? <laughs> Listen, Carl. Uh, <laughs> hey. How much time you got? <laughs> and yeah, like Phil was saying, he was, if you go back and listen, it's one of the first episodes. He literally was, as I just said, <laughs> every answer, I was like, wow. Thanks, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think by the fourth interview, I was able to come for that weekend. And then we did Amara Brown. And I, I think it was also Take Fizzo and Tatea that weekend. Mm. Um, and then we had like our first month and a half of episodes. And then for the first few months, that was the routine. Like, We'd wait till the weekend, we'd line them all up, and then I'd catch the bus to Harare. So I'd leave work like 5 p.m., catch the bus, get here like 9 p.m., crash either at Dan's place or like a friend's or a cousin's place. Saturday morning, we go and record, maybe record on Sunday as well, catch a bus back to, uh, to Machari, get straight to work. And then while I'm at work, I had an earphone in, and, I, <coughs> and I'm editing while I'm at work, <laughs> dealing with customers. And that, that, that was the routine until I moved. Um, and then we started recording at the radio station. And then eventually, I, start, we started, I started saving up and then I started saving up. I mean, started buying our own equipment. Um, I but back to um, that phase. Mm. Because um, I think for me, one thing that was like so irritating. Okay, not, you understand somebody's coming with grace when they ask you this question. But while I'm leaving this job that everybody thinks is the best job in the world, and they're like, oh, so what are you doing? Are you moving to another radio station? No, I'm going to podcasting. And they're like, what the is that? Mm. And so how did you, do you still feel that you have to re-educate people about what a podcast <laughs> is? And back then, if it was that hectic for me in 2019, when you were starting, how were those conversations like, this is a podcast, 
<laughs> so, if uh, you mention it, like, oh. that slide deck that Dan sent, if you read the first page, it literally explains what a podcast is because till today, we go into meetings with marketing execs and they're like, okay, so what's a podcast? So it's like a radio show. And that's how we have to frame it. Yeah. It's a radio show, but it's on all the time. And you can download it and listen to it whenever you want. And they're like, what? Is that possible? And it's not just the, the advertisers or potential advertisers. Even guests, a lot of times, so, there's so many times that I'm sure guests left without knowing they were on a podcast. Because we try and explain and they'll be like, so whose show is it going to be on? And you're like, you know, it's all good. We'll let you know. We'll send you the link. And we were, we were in a good space because... I think when, whenever people are starting out in something like podcasting or any kind of digital or YouTubing or whatever, you, you don't really have the name to pull big interviews. But we were able to because a lot of people assumed it was for radio or maybe they just knew me from radio. They knew Phil from the, from the blog. So it was just like, hey, can we get you for something else? In fact, there were several high-profile interviews we did where literally I would call Phil and I'd be like, listen, Casper uh, in your vest is doing an interview at the radio station. So just come hang around outside. As soon as he's done with the interview, we're just gonna, we're just gonna like quickly grab him. In fact, that was a story with Casper in your vest. We were just like, oh, we're just gonna quickly record something. Thanks, thanks. And his manager's like, wait, what? And we closed the, the studio door and locked it. And then we're now in the studio with it's just me, him, and Casper. And we recorded a full, I don't know, forty-minute episode. And the and the manager's just banging on the door, pointing at his watch. And we're just like, yeah, coming, coming. And we recorded a full dope episode. So a lot of it was most people didn't know what we were doing, but, you know, you just have to record. Once you record them, you'll figure it out with the audio later. So um, now, thankfully, we've been around a lot. We've been around enough that most people that we reach out to know what we're calling them for. Yeah, I think too, how important that is, like, if you're building a business around your So I, it's, it's hard to answer that because in the beginning, we never approached it as a business, which is why we ended up having to take a break. Um, even like with, with the African Nipper blog, we were, we were doing ridiculously well, like numbers wise, but we never structured it as a business. So every time I'd fly to Kenya, or I'd fly to Ghana, or I'd fly to South Africa, that was on my dime. So I was taking my, my salary and funneling it into the blog. And I was doing the same with Two Broke Trimbles. And I've always just been a big proponent of investing in, in what you wanted because I knew we were onto something. I just didn't know how to structure it at the time. So, like I said, building the plane while we're flying it. And I already had invested in some equipment for the African Hip Hop blog. Um, it just, we just needed a few things here and there. And for the most part, it was also just in, investing in, in the skills because um, blogging and podcasting are two very different mediums. So... We would spend um, late nights, like on YouTube, in the early days, figuring out how to edit podcasts, how to work. And if you go back and listen to the early episodes, they sounded horrible, you know? And it was also advantageous that Dan's on radio and he was getting, going through workshops on how to record and best practices and how to edit and manage the soundboard and stuff because he was unable to transfer those skills to the podcast um, and, and myself because I'm also very competitive. So like if I, and we used to alternate. So like one week I'd edit, one week Dan would edit and I'd be listening and I'm like, yo, Dan really managed to get the noise gate better than mine this week. Okay, I need to figure out how to get these noise gates better. So now I'm online, combing through forums, like, and figuring out attack times for noise gates. And that's just how we taught, taught each other. It's also, so the beauty of things like podcasts is it's a relatively low bar to entry, honestly. 
I mean, you do have to invest, obviously, but it's not like you have to buy a whole TV studio, for example, you know? So if you, if you get, for example, just mics, you get yourself just mics, you've, you've already got a good starting point, assuming you have somewhere to edit the podcast, right? Um, but of course, at the same time, you need to pay for the website, pay for the hosting, um, and then, you know, you're recording and then pay for whatever editing software you use because we don't pirate here no. in Zimbabwe. We Buy are. Buy original. No piracy. Mm-hmm. So, um, the thing, so you do have to invest something, but I think a lot of people use that as, oh, I would love to start a podcast, but I don't have mics. Honestly, use your phone. You could, if you use, like, if you used your phone and you were a little bit smart about where you position yourself and how you place the phone or how you place the earpiece or whatever it is, you can get good enough audio. Mm. Or if you spend 30, 40 bucks on a USB mic. That's even too much. You've, you've got something that, that will work mm. fine. Your, your audio quality might not be as great as, you know, multi-million dollar studios, but the average listener won't really notice it that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as time goes, as you earn a little bit more money, as you invest more, then you can buy a little bit more equipment. Um, yeah. So I, I would say a lot of people spend too much or, or, or rather a little bit too um, fixated on the idea of I need the best equipment. You just need good equipment. You just need good yeah. equipment, the very bare minimum, and then build on top of yeah, it. I wouldn't even say good equipment. So there's, I think, offhand, I can remember three episodes that we did using a phone. Mm-hmm. Two of those episodes were backstage interviews at a concert. So you can imagine the audio nightmares there. Up until two years ago, yeah, up until two years ago, every episode that we recorded that wasn't at the radio studio was recorded on a three-pack of mics that I bought from Amazon in 2015 for $40. So that's like, those are $12 mics. And uh, what do you $12.50. It's okay. It's okay, Rainman. It's okay. (laughs) Go count those cards over there. It's actually (laughs) (laughs) $13.33. Remember that the more expensive it is, the more work you have to do around the sound. Yeah. Literally picking up yeah. everything. Mm. Exactly, yeah. Don't shoot yourself in the foot by going yeah. back years. Um, when did you know, like, so when you start, you always know inside you, like, I'm onto something, right? But there's always, like, that kind of, like, fear of being known and then, like, mm-hmm. a bit of doubt, like, am I really onto something or whatever? Was there a moment in, um, you know, as a podcast is going that you're like, yeah, yeah, so it was actually before I even recorded. So like I said, Dan had recorded the first three episodes. And before that, like we were very meticulous. So we'd try and do research and then we'd like, you know, craft bullet points or whatever. And, I, and I'd send them to Dan like, yo, let's try cover this in the interview. Um, part, maybe that's also part of my micromanaging tendency. Um, and then Dan had done an interview with Metaphysics. And so I had traveled to Harare. I got there that Friday afternoon. Were well, not there for the metaphysics? No, I wasn't. Um, you were alone. And then on Fridays back in the day, Dan used to play touch rugby at Old Arari. So I got there while they were playing. And then he was like, yeah, as you can see, look at that physique. Look at, look at that physique. Huh? Kenya Sevens, you guys can't touch this guy. You guys can't touch this guy. So yeah, so Dan was playing. And then he's like, yo, here's the files. Give him a listen. So I put it in and I was listening to the episode. And then metaphysics went into this deep conversation about, um, without getting too distracted, the, the, there was a song on an old album that I did with Metaphysics, did it with the Wu-Tang Clan, 
and he was giving me the backstory of that and some of that backstory i didn't even know but it was it was on a project that we had worked on and there was also like this 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 talk about these adventures he'd had meeting with like bands like metallica and traveling the world and just incredible Un untold stories like untold literally stories. never been told but they're such they're such impactful stories i kid you not i started crying and i was like this is exactly what i wanted this to be and I, so, so literally from the first episode i knew we wanted something i have to say as well like for me my brain was very much in radio mode which is, you know, get the introduction, say the right thing. You only have a limited amount of time to say what you need to say mm. and then give the other person. Then if he's getting off track, you know, you need to try and bring him back. So it was a little bit of a, it took a while to rewire the thought process that for a podcast, I mean, or at least for the style of podcast we're doing, it's, mm. we're trying to just have a free flowing conversation. It's not as structured as radio is. Uh, so it took a while to sort of get that mindset away from, now we are going to talk to this artist, go on. And I, I think at some point, um, I'm trying to think when it really, when, when, it, when the penny really dropped for me. Um, because after every, it's, it's so weird because we would record the episode. We would obviously go through it while we're editing it. And then after it drops, I would listen to the whole episode again. Mm. And I actually found myself enjoy as if, as if I'm a casual listener, a fan of the podcast. Like, oh, that was nice. But I mean, I was there when it was recorded. I listened through it when I was editing. And now, and the other thing, both Phil and myself have been very meticulous with the editing. Um, which, now that we've, you know, been looking for people to help out or helping other podcasts as well, also do the same thing and, and helping other podcasts sort of come up with their own formula realize that that's kind of a rare thing i you know i would want to hear every word and make sure the audio quality is good there's no problems there's no issues you know and and phil does the same like we're, we're so we were so invested in the the quality of the podcast sounding good um and listening back to it would be like a point of pride that oh, that sounded clean that sounded great whenever it didn't probably most people wouldn't notice but it would just be there in the back of my head that oh i can't believe there was those three words that kind of sounded muffled in the podcast and i think that played a role i think there's some people that appreciated the quality of the podcast but again i would counsel against being that invested in, in the micromanaging as phil has said because i mean that makes things a lot more difficult if you can just put out quality try to keep the quality at a, at a good level and then just work on yeah. putting it out but I, I think the fact that both of us were very invested in the quality of it each time played a big difference, played a huge role because we were only used to good quality from the big players. And the assumption was if it's someone just doing a podcast or a YouTube video, it's going to be bad quality. And I think it was a bit of a surprise to people that, oh, this actually sounds good. Um, you know, we were, we were getting quoted in newspapers and someone would take a snippet of it and play it on a radio show and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think... When someone, I can't remember who it was, there was a, a radio DJ on, I think it was DJ Munya, on, uh, on the radio station that I was at. I did a show once a week. Um, he took a snippet of our podcast to play on air as part of a talking point or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Nice. I think it was Munya, I can't remember. Was it? I don't even know that. I can't remember who it oh. was. Oh, what's that? Um, I also noticed that I like because I think it's like an intentionality around mental wellness and mm -hmm. like um, just 
having conversations that matter around that. And so did you, was that always something that was important from the beginning or did it come up as you were, as a creator, when you're not mentally okay or sound, it's kind of hard to create still. Um, so I don't know, did you just stumble into that space or was it something you were thinking of that you were going to address in your podcast? For, this is a Phil thing. Yeah, for, for me, we were, we were forced into it. Um, like one of the reasons we took a break was my mental health was in the crapper. By the um, way, he's mentioned the break three, a couple of times now. So we were at the peak of our podcast. And then we took a break that was meant to be a couple of months. So the, the whole idea is, oh, okay, things are a bit hectic right now. Let's take a break. And it ended up being a year and a half of like not doing the podcast. At all, almost so. two years. It was, yeah, yeah. it was almost two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And part of the reason why we had to take a break was there was just a lot happening in my life. And because my mental health wasn't, well, wasn't right already, I was just making a lot of bad decisions that were not only affecting my life, but also affecting the brand and a lot of things. And it then became this like compounding effect where some days I couldn't get out of bed. You know, um, some days I was literally contemplating suicide. There were days I was a whisker away from doing it. And I started therapy and then, you know, like, it's like a, a weird thing where like you've been suffering all your life and then you figure, oh, wait, I didn't really have to suffer that much. And it was just this massive weight was lifted. And I, and I was like, if this is how I feel, I need to be honest with the people that listen about what I've been through and what I'm going through. So we never even started, we, when we came back, it wasn't even a, an intentional thing to like, we need to talk about it. It was just me being honest with the audience saying, hey guys, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing because we, we also like try to build a relationship with our audience. And through those conversations, they started resonating with our listeners. They were like, yo, we really appreciate the fact that you're talking about mental health. Um, can you please do more on that? Um, and then we realized, okay, there, there seems to be a need for this. How can we incorporate it into the show? And then we started doing that. And then the universe being the universe. Um, I, I'd spoken to Dan about it as well. And I was like, I really think, I really want to figure out how we can incorporate mental health into the podcast. And then the person that we both know, Chiedza, approached me and she was like, if you want, if you want this, I happen to know a way we can work it out. And then she introduced us to one of our sponsors and they, they hopped on board and we sent through a pitch deck and they've been massive, massively supportive. So shout out to Bon V for, for helping us. And, so that's what birthed um, the mental health segment. But it was, it was really just born out of experience and it resonating with our listeners. When it started out, it was just a section. The idea was we bring a therapist on to answer questions from the audience. And it was part of the main show. And as time went on, we started realizing that that segment was getting longer and longer and longer. And the show was getting... I think there was one time we dropped, I think like the Daniele episode, because we, we did an interview with Daniele and then we had to interview the organizer of the Samas. And then we had the mental health segment, plus the week's discussion. And that episode was like four hours. And then even like, because it it's always been an internal fight between Dan and I. Like Dan is like, yo, these episodes are getting too long. And I would always be like, if it's good content, I don't care how long it is because I always listen to long episodes. This was because at this point, I was the one doing the yeah. editing. And then <laughs> even I was like, you know what? That last episode was too long. <laughs> I was like, okay, we need to start splitting this up because it's not making sense. Yeah. So, yeah. 
But so that's why it's now its own show on Monday. So so it became its own. So right now we have we basically have two podcasts that come out each week. One is a mental health discussion. It's a lot more serious. I mean, we're still ourselves, you know, and we still joke around and have a good time. But it's a little bit more of a serious discussion. We actually bring on therapists and specialists and um, you know medical practitioners and whatever, and we discuss like serious issues. Sometimes we answer the audience's question. Some people write in with very serious. We were quite shocked. We thought a lot of people would send in messages like, "Oh, huh, my boyfriend said I'm fat. Oh, it made me sad." But like, literally, people who had like really deep, existential kind of discussions, which was like, "Wow, I can't believe people are really trusting us like this." And we, you know, we bring on professionals to answer those questions, and it became its own thing with its own like space and followers and so on as a separate podcast. And then we have our regular podcast, which, by the way, also evolved over time from being mainly based on interviews with you know major characters. I think we reached a stage where we we're like, I think we've interviewed everyone, mm. pretty much, and then. No, yeah. it was just us talking. And yeah, also from, from, from my standpoint, there's also a discussion that we're having with Dan is, I also didn't want the podcast to be too dependent on who the guests are because it then, it diminishes the value of our brand and what we bring to the table. So I, I was always, and we're always trying to figure out ways, okay, how do we keep the podcast entertaining but not be so guest-reliant? And the major concern was, if we stop bringing on the guests, are we going to maintain our numbers? And when we started experimenting with it, the episodes that started resonating more were actually Dan and I just talking smack with each other, as opposed to the interviews, um, which surprised both of us to a degree. And I'm like, okay, so now we've got a hybrid where we can literally do anything. Um, and it gives us creative freedom to do whatever we want. So like, um, and it also... Another thing is like we we have the luxury of if a publicist calls us, if we don't want to interview that artist, we're not going to interview them, um, which is very rare because even they're like, wait, are you saying no? I'm like, yeah, we don't. You know, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Eh? No, we don't. We Hope don't you have a great day. And even they're, they're like, this is confused. Cannot compute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. lovely phenomenon i've been doing a lot of research into recently it's called parasocial relationships mm. um, which is typical of podcasts tv radio even social media but podcasts i think especially the idea is the audience feels like we're close friends because i heard i hear your stories how are you doing this week what did you get up to oh how's how's your mom doing yo yeah yeah what happened with with the thing you did last week but the vice versa isn't necessarily true because, you know, I'm talking, you're listening. Mm. And it creates this almost, it's, it's almost like a friendship, but, you know, yeah. we don't know you personally. In some cases, we do know some of our listeners, obviously, but it's not like we know all of them personally. And if you don't get in touch with us, we'll never know who you are, but you will know, you will know almost everything about our lives. Just, just to add something to, to something that Phil said earlier, um, we had started with, every episode was a, an interview. You know, and we were we were also worried, like, what if the person doesn't come through? Uh, so we always tried to keep, like, maybe we had like two or three 
interviews in, 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 in the cut, you know. So we're like, we're going to record this week, but this comes out in two weeks because we're recording, we're putting out last week's. Because we're always so worried about, you know, what if we make a booking with a guest to come through and then they don't come through and then we don't have an, uh, an, an interview. And then that's actually what caused us to start doing just us in uh, podcasts. Because it was like, well, this week we were supposed to have an interview, but they canceled on us. So uh, what's up? And it actually worked out, like Phil said. And at the time, I remember thinking more people enjoy, uh, people seem to enjoy us talking. But our big issue is discoverability, which we spoke about before we started recording. So my thought process was, if we do guests, the fans of that guest will discover the podcast. But we must also do our own interview because that's what people seem to enjoy. So I proposed to Phil, what if we do, um, you know, alternating episodes? So this week we have a guest. Next week it's just us. This week we have a guest. Next week it's just us. And as time went on, it eventually evolved into, I mean, we can have a guest or we can't have, we might or we might not. Depends if we think it will add to the podcast or not. And I think that's the best place to be in because now it's like, it's no longer about, oh, we're doing it because the audience. Now it's just, hey, we're just putting out a show. Mm. It's not like every Friday there has to be an interview, mm. but it's, it's, it's a bit more flexible. What's the podcasting um, scene like in Zimbabwe right now? Um, is it something that people are going into in terms of creators um, or not yet? Well, we know of only one podcast in Zimbabwe. Wait, there's more than one podcast in Zimbabwe? <laughs> Apparently, I don't know what she's talking about. Weird. <laughs> Um, yeah, from, from my side, I definitely have been seeing, um, even before we started our podcast, um, um, because a lot of people credit us, look, look at me, look at me saying a lot of people, like, <laughs> no, but a, a few people do credit us as being like the pioneers, and I, we're not, Radio Kunakira was doing this long before us, I remember listening to Radio Kunakira episodes years before we were podcasting, I remember listening to Larry's podcast long before we were podcasting, so they've been doing it longer, um, I think we've had the, the, the benefit of having the most longevity and we've managed to grow our audience because um, I'm a numbers geek, so I'm always crunching the numbers. And I, I have like three different sources. Cooking the numbers. <laughs> so I, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be looking at our, our analytics and I'm like, okay, I need to verify that these are true. So then I'll run it through Google and then I'll have a third party and then I'll be going through like the first party data from Spotify and Apple Music. And for, for a while, like, and there was a time, like, when we started out, and, and Dan's mentioned it a couple of times, where there was some issue with our host. So for, like, the first few episodes when we returned, like, our numbers were mad low. Like, before we left, I think we were doing, like, 2,500 a week, which wasn't amazing at the time, but we are like, great. And then we, we dropped down to single digits. And we were like, whew, have we lost that, that much? Like, have we gone, gone out that, that far out of touch? You, imagine, <laughs> imagine you've done a podcast for, I don't know, at the time, maybe it was, like, two and a half years or so. And then we take a break. At the, at the end of it, we're doing maybe 10,000 listeners a month. I yeah. mean, it's okay. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's not great. But it's also validated numbers because when we go out, and, and this isn't even an hour, like I'd go to Joburg and people be like, two broke trippers! <laughs> and then when we come back, we're like, okay, it's been a while. Oh, is our audience still there? I don't know. Okay, let's put it out. Boom. Three listeners. Like, Oh, okay, you know, first week, you know, okay. we gotta keep people we gotta on keep our way back. back. I don't know, you know. <laughs> let's put the word out, you know. Let me invest in some ads. So, you know, you know, let's, let's do some things. Let's go, let's go, let's try again, Dan. Let's go, let's go. Next week, let's go. Then 10. <laughs> Ooh, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, we knew it was gonna be hard work. <laughs> let, me, 
let, let's do this. Let's leverage relationships. So I'm calling up people. Hey, can you share the link? Can you do this? Can you do that? Third episode, 50 listeners. At some point, I was like, okay, no, this doesn't make sense because I've literally spoken to multiple people that said, ah, oh, you guys are back. I mean, where are those people's numbers? Yeah. So yeah. Then, then, then I got in contact with support and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, we've got an issue. We're fixing it. I was like, okay, fine. So it, while that was happening, that's when I started like making sure that we were getting first party data from Apple, first party data from Spotify, first party data from Stitcher, first party data from TuneIn, plus multiple platforms. So, so now like when I send out numbers, I can verify them from multiple sources and we are definitely number one in the country. Um, so it, it it's been hard work. In fact, we've been rambling. What was the question again? Like, I totally forgot the question. <laughs> well, well, in short, basically, birds are better than cats. That's what oh, we were saying. Oh, podcasting scene, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fix this in post. So, <laughs> so the podcasting scene, it's growing. Um, um, I would not say it's healthy because for the most part, outside of like NGO funding, I think we're pretty much the only podcast who have um, private company sponsoring us like and that's a problem um i can't think of any quote-unquote podcast studios in the city in the country um podcasts do exist so phil is talking about it obviously from a like a, a podcast actually making money um you know there's there's several podcasts that are out that we know of that seem to be doing well just to give a, a couple of shout outs um feeding station is one that's doing well it's uh, the, the host is not in Zim, but he's very much connected to Zimbabwe and sometimes interviews Zimbabweans and so on and so on. Um, uh, Six Foot Weights is another one that seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but their numbers pale in comparison. I mean, it's, I mean, it's no contest. But it's not a contest anyway. You know, we, we want to see more. The more podcasts that come up, the more people get into the culture of podcasting, yeah. the more people start taking it seriously. Because... I've had this conversation with so many people and I don't know why it's so difficult to wrap their heads around. Some of the most popular newspapers in, in, in the country right now, their circulation is lower than our podcast. And we, if you compare charges, for example, in terms of advertising, you'd be like, okay, first of all, first of all, your newspaper could be going to someone who can't afford your product. If someone's listening to a podcast, chances are they can afford your product. And there's so many more, you, know, you would know, I mean, you have a podcast. There's so many advantages to advertising to a podcast audience. Yeah. So I think it's, it's just the more people get into it, the more people understand it. We've helped, Phil and myself have helped podcasts get off the ground. Um, like, hey, we may not know everything, but the struggle, the, the struggle we slogged through, you don't have to do it because we can tell you do this instead of that. And we've done that with several, we've helped several podcasts. Um, um, the Unfortunately, because the money is so difficult, I think it's hard for them to keep going. Just recently, Suds and the Morning stopped, which was a very popular podcast, one that we were, we were very hands-on in helping them get off the ground. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, you have to make money out of it. And even today, even though we have sponsorship, I would say our most reliable source of income is our listeners donating. Yeah. And as much as that's appreciated... Like, imagine if, if you started a TV station and you're like, hey, no, we don't need advertising. It's just, if you like the TV station, send us some money. I mean, come on, man. And, yeah, Yo. and even within that, there's so many hurdles, like it being in Africa. So for like our website, we have a payment a portal, but it goes to PayPal. PayPal doesn't work in Zimbabwe. So whenever we get PayPal, 
we either have to use that PayPal money for an online purchase or I then have to send it to a third party who then will remit it to me and every step of the way we're getting charges. So we're losing about 15 to 20% of our revenue from donations just to that alone. Um, Sanctions. Sanctions. Yes. They are killing the youth. Please. Remove sanctions. Um, that's really difficult. No, no, no. Please. No, no. Okay. I'm realizing this is going to an audience that might not understand the nuances. Okay. In Zimbabwe, that's a common conversation. So we are making a joke about it. This no, is not a political but remove statement. sanctions. No, I mean, who cares? <laughs> I care. <laughs> <laughs> Cap it off! I thought we were just starting. <laughs> you, you got somewhere to be. Like <laughs> <episodes>. <laughs> I mean, we're here all when, day. Do we, when do we start the show? When do we start this interview? I, I thought this was like the pre-roll. This is like a warm up. I'm ready to go. Uh, this is the uh, intro. <laughs> I think right now our definition of success for the podcast has been if the if we have enough revenue for the podcast where we can afford to not do anything else that month, we're happy with that. Um, we're not, Dan and I, we're not overly materialistic. I think I'm a little more materialistic than him. But ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I'm not looking at this as some sort of, um, get rich scheme. Get or rich scheme. Yeah. I see it as one piece in a in, in a bigger cog, which is like building the media landscape, documenting Zimbabwean and then African stories. Um, it helps w with my agency and the work we do because now when I when I'm pitching to clients for agency work, I always just throw in, hey, by the way, you're gonna reach two hundred thousand people for an extra X amount of dollars, and they're like, yeah, sure, because they've already approved the budget, and then bam. We're not doing that. So it, it helps in that regard. Um, but for me, success is allowing the podcast to grow to a point where it sustains us. Um, because where was the time? Like Dan and I amongst us, I think we have like 75 jobs between us. It's tiring. Look at my eyes. <laughs> Look at my eyes. I, I need to sleep, man. <laughs> I need to sleep. Um, to answer that question as well, you know, when we started the podcast, we were in the trenches. We were connected. We knew what was up. We were, hey, everything that's happening on the streets, we there. If there's a, an event, a gig, a concert, we are there. If there's a party, invite us, we're coming. Yeah, you know, this is like 10 years later, you know, like. No, I'm still, I'm still hitting happening. I'm in the streets. I know what's going down on the job. My man's just now was putting on some eye drops. <laughs> still happy, hipping happening, huh? I haven't slept all week. That's what I'm saying. Because I've been in the streets. <laughs> My point is, We've, we've matured and grown. Um, our audience has also matured and grown. But there's a new audience that are down there. They're, they're where yeah. everything's happening. That's what's going on. But we've got some experience and we've got some... I would love, for me, success would be if we can... In which way, whichever way, if it's a mentorship arrangement or if it's a business arrangement, if it's, if it's a way of creating these different platforms that connect to the new uh, generation, that connect to a different group of people that are connected to the streets and so on. I've been saying this to Phil. I was like, Phil, you know what? The style of podcast we do, we aren't going to do this forever, dude. You know what I mean? At some point, we're going to be too old and disconnected to be having conversations about, Haha, did you hear what this artist said to that artist? You know what I mean? Because 
it's now going to be our if we do continue the con the podcasts you know uh, um indefinitely at some point we're obviously with our growth and our maturity we're going to reach that level but there's still that whole conversation and both Phil and I are we're super passionate about the arts and music and creatives and the industry that surrounds it i think you'd be hard pressed to find people in zim and honestly in southern africa as a whole that are that are as knowledgeable or as passionate about music in the region for example and for me success would be if we can use the platform that we've already started to create something that helps the artists and is going to continue even after us I'll call you back I'm in the middle of a recording You're going to decline Wow You know I'm, I'm all about being authentic I really do being authentic He has the, no <laughs> home training you know Person's like what? Was <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> recording <laughs> What was I saying? Yes, long story short, cigarettes are bad for the lungs. But ultimately, if you're addicted to them, what are you going to do? What were we talking about? I think we're successful. <laughs> you're you're waffling about something, I don't know. You're like, I'm I'm trying to mentor and blah blah blah. No, I mean I it, it actually is something that I'm kind of a little anxious about that if we stop, does it does that mean everything's done? has has the all the the direct every the, the whole way that we've come everything we've managed to achieve does that mean it's done it's finished that would make me super sad i would love for us to start something that continues yeah and i i think that we earn royalties from i think because we're true to ourselves the podcast has indeed evolved because before as they mentioned we used to go every event like and we used to shoot event reviews and once again there's no revenue coming and so we're funding this ourselves we just uh, got free tickets maybe like sometimes, sometimes. So, so i remember like um tony braxton i had to pay for my ticket you know what i mean and that i was used to that because that's 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 how i used to do it when i used to run the african vlog i used to i used to fly myself to the places pay to get in and then guerrilla shoot and then i would do so much more work than like media people that got their passes that the publicists were like okay clearly you want this more so next time i got you and that's how I built my relationships and it was the same thing with the Tony Braxton thing i remember i guerrilla shot it and then i sold some of those photos to a publication in south africa but i was way behind the actual press um but we've evolved from that to like now we're speaking from a place of knowledge so we're telling artists hey this is what you need to be doing you need to make sure that this is going on um and that comes from the fact that Dan's been in radio for almost a decade now i've been I've evolved from blogging to running a company to advising people to starting a label to releasing music and, and mentoring artists and and helping artists in various aspects and consulting and so forth. So obviously that's going to change how we view the world and how we the stuff we talk about because I have no interest in discussing who's dating who. I really don't care. But I I am interested in the fact that artist X says that they haven't collected any royalties on their music because I'm tired of seeing artists dying broke, you know what I mean? So I think with that the podcast is going to evolve. Um I think ultimately what we do want is our brand to be big enough where we can change the name and it happens seamlessly. Like when we can afford to do a rebrand, I think that'll be a true sign of success because 
it's now got to a point where we don't even like the name anymore. Because <laughs> we, get, we get tired of the jokes. Oh, Phil, uh, uh, you don't look broke to me. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like the hundredth time this week. Uh, did you come up with that? <laughs> so yeah, if, if, if I was still broke eight years later, that would be a really big problem. <laughs> but please send money still, though. TwoBrokeTumbles.com forward slash donate. If you cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I think we can cut it there. We broke, we broke, we broke, we broke, we broke.